When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm not as good as you because she just had a big old nice breakfast cooked by your wife. I mm. love that. Fantastic. I don't, I, don't, I don't get that treatment anymore. Bless my heart. You know, I don't want to hear that because you've been invited to the house 182 times. She'd be glad to cook <laughs> you breakfast. Yeah, I should take you up on it. I wish we lived just a little bit closer together. I agree. But one of these days, mama's yeah. uh, cornbread dressing is going to get you. You're oh, stop it, you it. bastard. You know my weaknesses. <laughs> know my weaknesses well i might bring a girlfriend well we would love that now because yeah, i actually have them it's just a matter of i don't publicize it i don't go online and talk about it but uh, nonetheless i've got you got to have somebody else Connor. you know Connor, how that shit goes man I getting married for you is the best thing that ever happened to you yes best you decision companion. i ever made you have a you have a friend you know you got somebody to talk to i know it sounds stupid or I'm, I'm now well working for the Hallmark card company, but I, 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 uh, I believe that. So, but you know, it's just hard to, in my life with my lifestyle, it's cause you get this rhythm. Yeah. You, know, you got either got to meet them. At, I don't go to bars. Right. So the bar thing is out. Uh, I'm not real trustworthy on the online dating. Right. Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm between I'm damned if I am and damned if I'm not. So. It'll work out. I met Jan on an airplane. She was flight attendant sitting next to nature boy, Ric Flair. You know that story. Oh yeah. I heard, I'm sure you've heard his version of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we met there and it lasted for 26 years. Fantastic. Well, maybe more than that. So it was great. You know, she was such a wonderful person. I was very, very lucky in that deal. That's why guys, especially we have a lot of men that listen to our show and we appreciate it as you, as you know, we both do, but man, there's nothing more important than your relationship, your life, your, your internal life. So it's just, to me, it's just a, it's just a, just something you need to have. And, uh, so, but nonetheless, I still got the wrestling business. I got my family, obviously, which is wonderful. My daughter's a partner with my, with me and the, uh, black hat farms, cannabis farm thing we're doing how about that yeah it's gonna be good and uh, i think poured a lot of money in it 
and investing it in the right way and, and doing it the right way. We've got a guy that's, or I gave a 30% of the business to, to, to work there and be, uh, he's salvaged a lot of, uh, failed or failing grow houses, grow, grow things. Uh, he's attorney. So it's always helps a little bit more. And so he's done a real good job working with us. Hell, we're bringing in dirt from Oregon and wow. I mean, we're, yeah, we're doing a lot of it's. We're doing it right. It's costly, but it'll be perfect, perfect, perfectly done. In uh, I don't know if that's a word. It is now, but yeah. And so we got that going. So I'm excited about that project. It's it's still in the in the form formative stages, but it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna exist. It's gonna happen. We're probably gonna have a dispensary in Tulsa. Wow. Uh, little shop, you know, where you can buy our products and other stuff. So it's, we're looking forward to that. So it's kind of a fun thing to do with my daughter. You know, she's had some health issues. God bless her. She went through a fucking divorce. There's no name, no neck husband she had. Uh, so at least that's my personal opinion. No, let's, and, let's go with it. No nut husband. I'm, I'm with it. Co-signed. <laughs> Never even yeah. met him, but I'm with you. My daughter married a man with no nuts. Uh, his nuts uh, he, would fit in a thimble as the rumor and innuendo I heard. I've heard that some said someplace. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, that's really exciting to me, that whole thing. And my thought was I'm going to, these kids are going to end up doing pretty well financially. My my two daughters. I would think so. And I'm proud to be able to be able to do that, but I wanted to do something while I was still alive that would let me participate in nothing else emotionally yeah. in the development of this project. Uh, they got, it's just, it's really good. So we got good staff. We got, we're, we're doing it the right way. Everything's going to be grown indoors. You get about three crops a year that way, I think. So, uh, should be fun. And there's so many products that, that are derivatives of, uh, of the, of your, of your, uh, grow your, your, your plants and there's we're finding out every day that there are more reasonable and realistic ways to utilize the product you know cbd is a huge deal oh yeah and and they're finding out this you know the uh you can help sleep and relax and all these things it's not just about smoking a joint and driving down the street to the sonic right and get getting a you know a route 44 diet cherry cherry limeade so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, ha I'm really excited about it. And I'm, she's excited and she needed a break. She needed some success. She needed a win. And so I think daddy has helped her provide a, a way for it to get a win. And so anyway, I could talk about her little project. I love her. She's my youngest daughter, uh, oldest daughters, the LP, uh, LPN, or you call them. She can write scripts and give shots and all those things, which I never dreamed would ever happen. And so she's doing real well, but at the end of the day, they're all going to do fine. But I wanted to be able to help Amanda before I, while I was still here, I guess I'm being, uh, you know, enth enthusiastic or optimistic, but I'll still be here when that happens. But that's my goal, man. Of course help, you're going to be there. Come on. Now. Help, help those kids, brother. Got to help those children. Well, so anyway, there's, there's that. And I, I, I talked too long about that. People don't tune into the show to hear. Yes, they do. They tune in to hear about you, baby. Come on now. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate it. 
And that's one of the neat things about this audience, the ad free network. Mm -hmm. sound, I don't want to make this a commercial, but it's almost like you get another family. Yes. And, and, uh, I, I get, you know, I know that a lot of these folks follow me on Twitter, which I appreciate. You know, I run my Twitter account. Nobody else does that. I have a, a I have somebody helping me with Facebook and, and Instagram. Uh, I've never been on Instagram, uh, but I, I do. I do, uh, babysit the Twitter account. I can't answer them all. Right. I got a, I was 1.8 million followers, so I can't get everybody. Right. But I do try to respond when I can, or when it's timely or makes sense, but you get that family from the ad free network. And the thing I think is that I know that there are people out there that care about me. Yes. And they care about the projects that we're working on. And they have always been very supportive and that, uh, is important to me right now at my stage of life. It's just hard to, people don't understand how, how insecure one can get. Uh, and I, I heard, I read about flares, uh, lost his confidence and all these things. We all do. We all do. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, cause you, you believe you set your work at a high standard and anything less than that is like, oh, he's losing it. I need to replace Jr. You know, you know, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not ready to be replaced, and I, and I still love what I do. So anyhow, it's uh the ad free network and the, and all the fans and you know like our big uh, top guy weekend coming to Chicago. Yeah. Uh, golly, man. I mean, that's fun as hell. Yeah. It's fun as hell. Uh, so we're gonna spend three days in Chicago. That's gonna be. It's going to be one great. The, you know, one, one of the cool things about that Conrad is the fact that you're staying in the same hotel room, like four nights. Yeah. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. You know, it's it well, how big a deal is that? It's a big deal. Yeah. You know, especially if you got a hotel that has breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> we've had some lately that have been questionable. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm there. It's, a, it's going to be an interesting time for us. I don't know that as a booker that Tony Khan has had, has got, a, has had a bigger, this, these next few weeks, the last week and the next few weeks leading through the pay-per-view, he's never had some, anything bigger challenging him than that. Cause what do you do? You know, what do you do? You know, uh, so I, it, it's, I'm anxious to see what the brain trust comes up with as far as creative is concerned. And I have confidence they'll do well, but they have a lot of options. They have a lot of ways to go. Do you, do you reincorporate MJF? Uh, do you, do you, what do you do, uh, with, with punk and, and, uh, uh, Moxley, how long can they, how, how long is this, are they going to be ripe on the vine? All these things. And, uh, most bookers would probably embrace everything I just said. Yeah. Cause it gives us so many different ways to go. And, uh, you know, you know, hell, I didn't even know that punk had an issue with, uh, uh, our cowboy, uh, hangman, Adam page hangman, you know, that, that whole, that part of that interview the other day was like, what, what did I miss something in the production meeting? Of course we don't go over the promos in a production meeting, which is good. And, and nobody writes punk, nobody writes anybody's promo. You just go do it. You know, what's interesting to me, Jim is, and obviously I'm not there. I'm on the outside looking in, but people spoke about, you know, this 
quote unquote controversy yep. in such a way where it was like, I don't know, kind of a head scratcher for me. Like guys, is this really new? Like there's yep. been personality conflicts in ev- not just wrestling, but every business since the beginning of time, hell my business right now has some personality conflicts. So-and-so don't like so-and-so. So what? See you tomorrow. It just feels <laughs> a little of this is lo- like a non-story to me. Kind of. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm well, I think we we're overreacting and that's a, and it's all I believe, and I'm not blaming anybody. I just think this, this is, it's just the lay of the land is that when you have, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the social media business has affected this whole matter we're discussing, yeah. uh, uh, immensely. Mm-hmm immensely it's there it's handy it's easy it's immediate and I've got, one guy sends out a, a tweet which are always usually negative god damn i'd love to read something when someone says thought you did a good job on wednesday night keep up the good work or something along those lines being i'm being facetious somewhat uh that'd be better than how bad something sucked yeah and then you get one uh favorite or one retweet out of that and all of a sudden it becomes significant news. Yes. And you know, then I've gone on there and looked at people that have blasted my ass, which is fine. That's their prerogative. Like I said, uh, and they got a hundred followers. You're just, you're they're not even hardly on the radar, but we but we take their opinion maybe, and maybe we should, I don't know. Maybe we should, but they have nobody to there that's going to. You know, nobody says nothing and, and I'm not going to get too hard on it, but I've said more about it today than I've said years. Seems like just mute the motherfuckers. JR. Nobody cares. Yeah. You're Jim Ross. By what is When you mute them, what does that do? It means, you know, you, they can still see your stuff, but you can't see their stuff. Cause you don't, a friend of mine oh. says, I don't have any room for my carry on for negativity. I don't know who that guy was. He was a wise old bastard. Well, let's mute <laughs> the, Let's mute them assholes and carry on with our life. Let's go. Yeah. And, but by the way, as we do that, we're going to do it with a grin on our face because we've been to jrsbbq.com. I, I don't know if you guys are aware, but it's grilling season, baby, baby. And they, and they got something for everybody over there. Multiple sauces. My favorite is the all purpose seasoning. We still use it on a nearly daily basis at my house here. I love you. Can't recommend it enough. It goes great on everything. Not just your, your chicken or your steak or whatever your pork. Megan puts it on eggs because it's awesome. Go check it out. Girl, jrsbbq.com. Yeah. She makes great decisions, great decisions. And even (laughs) she knows you can get a good deal over at jrsbbq.com. And listen, I understand a lot of times people make their first order and they think it's a novelty and it's something to put on the shelf. Hey, do that too, but order two bottles. You're going to want to use one and you're going to be in a reorder circumstance because you're going to love it. I know I do. It's jrsbbq.com. Yeah. Thanks, Connie. It's good stuff. It's, uh, you know, I, I thought of, I went to the Steelers game the other night with the uh, Jacksonville here in Jacks. And, uh, of course I was thinking about Jan because she was the biggest Steeler mark in the world. Yep. And, uh, Britt Baker was there. She's another major Steelers mark. Uh, but I was just thinking how much fun Jan would have with all these young talents, including Britt, who's young, but still a Steeler fan and a female, how much fun Chan would have here in this suite attending this game. She'd been, she'd been in Steeler heaven. Uh, so, uh, I just, 
I think of those times where I think of a lot of stuff right now. So it's all good, man. I'm with you. Let's just mute the son of a bitch and move on and let them say what they want. Yeah. Express their, express their first amendment rights and all that good shit. And, uh, and, and try to try to have a good day, you know, just try to like mix, Mick Foley here, have, have a good day. Uh, by the way, mix the podcast on your network is good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. He's having a lot of fun. Foley is pod is the name of it. Uh, and tomorrow you're going to have uh, an episode where we talk about vengeance 2007, which unfortunately is also going to include some talk about the dreaded Benoit topic, uh, the silly Vince McMahon blowing himself up in a limo piece of business and a wow. pretty brutal kick from Booker T that had Mick Foley hurting for certain in an interesting five-way main event vengeance 2007. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. But today our topic is maybe one of the biggest, most important summer slams in history. And I don't think people talk about it nearly enough. Well, here we are though. The 20 year anniversary of SummerSlam 2002, a highly regarded show at the time. And now today it still holds up. The two main things of course, are the return of Shawn Michaels. He left after uh, WrestleMania 14 in 1998. Here he is more than four years later, arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. And he's not sure if he still has it. He's going to find out in a pretty incredible matchup with triple H. And then of course, we've got Brock Lesnar and the rock for the world title. Now, of course the rock is going to go off and become the world's biggest movie star. Brock is about to become the youngest world heavyweight champion in WWE history. Lots of fun stuff. I mean, 2002, I don't think creatively is remembered for being a high point, but this is such a, a special SummerSlam. It's got to be near the top, Jim. Yeah, I don't, uh, it's hard to find one that, that meant more, uh, and on several fronts, you mentioned Shawn Michaels coming back. You know, we, I had kind of helped babysit that deal for three years, three or four years, whatever the hell it was. He was on my budget. I mean, he was still somebody that I dealt with as a town, as head of talent relations, you don't lose touch with your talent and silence is not golden in wrestling. Yeah. You have to communicate and not returning a guy's call promptly, uh, thanks to that nature, little things that may seem insignificant or not to a talent. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, I, I just, I was looking forward to that so much, you know, I told him, I said, I just want to get you back and just. Cause he had become very, very, uh, uh, religious. He'd, he'd had a whole new awakening. He had a different outlook. Uh, he spoke differently. He, he acted differently. I said, you know, I, I could use you in the locker room. Young guys are going to listen to you. Yeah. Cause they, they will readily admit that you're either the best or one a at worst next to Nate. I'm still in Nate's kind of, now I love Sean's work. Don't get me wrong, but I call so many flare matches in the territory days, NWA days, and the Crockett days and all this other stuff that I, 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 there's a kinship there. Yeah. Uh, so in any event, uh, the, the, this show had a lot of significance and it's hard to find another summer slam that had more significance. There were other great summer slams for sure. But, you know, Lesnar getting his first trip to the top of the mountain and being so young can never do that again. No, Think that, that can't happen again. So, uh, and that was a good decision. We, we made the right decision by waiting and, and not going, we, we could have gone with Brock. We knew where he was, where he was going to end up being 
as the champion, but we didn't know exactly when that was the best time to pull the trigger. And so I think we pulled it the right way we, and it was sure as fuck pulled it against the right guy Yeah, for the rock to pass the torch to Brock Lesnar was, it was very significant. So, uh, it was a hard, it, it would be hard to find a better or viable summer sound Connie than the one that we're going to talk about here today, because it had, it, it wasn't like two matches deep either. We had, there were, you know, we had, we had several matches. That's it's an unbelievable show. And even the buildup is unbelievable. Let's just talk about some of the high points heading into this show. John Cena debuts on TV just a few days after King of the ring. And, uh, he's here to challenge Kurt angle. Undertaker and Jeff Hardy had their super memorable ladder match to main event. The July 1st raw. I still remember where I was when that happened in your famous call. And then we see edge and Hulk Hogan win the tag titles from Billy and Chuck on a special 4th of July edition of uh SmackDown. And of course that's Hogan's last piece of hardware in WWE history. Uh, famously Kevin Nash is going to tear his quad on his first match back on raw on July 8th. And the NWO angle is disbanded. Of course that sucks for Nash, but it's probably a blessing in disguise. This NWO in the WWE thing really wasn't doing gangbuster business. Eric Bischoff comes back to become the on-screen general manager on the July 15th raw guys. This is all the same freaking month here. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable what's happening here. And. Stephanie McMahon decides to, uh, become an on-screen general manager for SmackDown. And, uh, it feels like that would be a natural opportunity yeah. for Vince to maybe take a break from TV. Do you think Vince thought he was overexposed at this point? I think he did. Yeah. And he was also, uh, he realized that the day-to-day responsibilities of being the chairman of the board of a public traded company is, uh, is amazingly time consuming. And it also put Stephanie in a, I thought it was a perfect booking for her. She's a Stephanie next to Vince was the best heel we had. Yeah. Uh, at times, no doubt. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, think Vince probably just needed a break in that regard to take care of other items, business that he was uh, involved in. He still came to every TV. He still was writing television and all those things. He just wasn't on, on screen. And I think like I said, uh, all for the best reasons. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. We also have, uh, the un-Americans come around. This is Christian and Lance storm. They ultimately beat Hulk Hogan and edge to become the, uh, tag champs. Rob Van Dam is going to beat Brock Lesnar by DQ. So Van Dam will keep the IC title. And afterwards we see Lesnar and Kurt angle have their first on screen interaction backstage and in a stare down type scenario. 
eventually triple H would join raw in a segment with Bischoff and Stephanie after Sean convinced him, uh, to be with him on the same show. And it seems like triple H is going to sign with Stephanie on SmackDown, but here he is on raw. Uh, we also see rock and angle, uh, for the undisputed championship with undertaker. It's a great triple threat match. There's just tons of moving parts here. And it is a crazy summer for the WWE, but one of the big changes, if you've been a longtime fan, I guess the belt hadn't been around that long, the European title, no more. It was unified with the IC title when Rob Van Dam beat Jeff Hardy in a ladder match. And I guess on some level, how many quote unquote mid card titles do you need? Right? JR? Yeah, no kidding. You know, uh, we're pacing that right now in AEW with the six man, uh, titles. Uh, I just believe that you have to be very careful <clears throat> on how many titles are represented on your television because, uh, dilution is a very prevalent thing. Yeah. Uh, you can get overexposed very easily. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to belittle anybody or their opportunities to earn a championship and earn more money and more earn a bigger place on the roster and all those things. I don't, I just think that we have to be very, all promotions have to be very careful in uh, how many titles they have. I just think the more you have, <clears throat> the less most of them mean. No doubt about that. Um, we get the soon to be named three minute warning, Rosie and Jamal debuting to beat up D'Lo Brown and, uh, Sean Stasiak while they were in the middle of a match. Um, let's talk about Stasiak in the WWE. I've always been fascinated by him because he had a good physique. So you would think, okay, Vince will like that. Yeah. He was certainly a, a legacy performer. I mean, his dad is to this day, a, a major WWE legend and, and, and just wrestling history going back, even that really predates Vince, but his father and it never really clicked or so it didn't feel like to me. Why do you think Stasiak didn't have more success in the company personality okay. lack thereof. Okay. He, he had the inability, uh, or seemingly to connect with the audience. Everything you said about him is true. Smart kid. You know, I think he's a chiropractor now. That's right. That's right. Down in the Dallas area. <clears throat> so pardon me. Uh, so, uh, but connecting with the audience was something he never could conquer. And I, that's what, you know, uh, that's what I think was his biggest issue. He just couldn't connect. And, and uh, so it never worked. But other than that, if he could have, if he could have found his personality, and a personality that was more natural and one that would connect to the audience. I think that, uh, he would have done a whole hell of a lot better, but, uh, in any event, he's, he had everything going, but that one magic thing, charisma, and you can't, you can't manufacture it. You, just, you can't, you can do a hundred vignettes and if they're not good, if they're not, people aren't relating to them, they're meaningless. Well, the rock sees some value in Eddie Guerrero. He doesn't think Eddie's meaningless. Uh, he does beat him in eight and a half minutes with the people's elbow and Meltzer would say coolest spot was Guerrero doing an inside cradle off the rock bottom. Personally, I felt rock making Guerrero look like an equal the whole match, even in beating him did more to elevate Guerrero than anything that happened in the brief Austin program. Lesnar came out and grabbed the belt and then threw it on the ground. I think this is the only time we ever saw the rock and Eddie Guerrero in a singles match. 
And man, it was a fun match, but can you imagine if they had more time together, what a program with those two would have been like? Yeah. And you're right. And and they liked each other. You know, they had that similar background. They're both, uh, you know, multiple generation talents, you know, rocks, grandpa, you know, we've told this story a million times, the grandpa, the Rocky Johnson, the dad. Uh, so the Guerreros had the same basic lineage multiple members of their family earning a living as stars in a pro wrestling business. So I think that Eddie and, and Dwayne bonded over that. And I think it helped them, uh, be comfortable with the match. Uh, you know, and you know, Eddie rock didn't rock was not the kind of guy that's going to call the whole match. He's going to, they're going to get together, set things up, but Eddie was going to have a viable part of, of that game plan and how the match is going to go down. So I thought they had great chemistry as you do. And when you start to think about it, you think, well, maybe how the hell could they not have? They're both in the same background, right? They both grew up in the pro wrestling business. So why not? And both are so athletic, but I think Dwayne was very cooperative, very giving in that match as he should be. And, uh, it, it, it put a shine on rock. You know, there's. The old saying it was been around forever. Uh, he, some guys go over and some guys get over. Well, rock went over and Eddie got over in my opinion. I was really proud of both those guys. We also see the, uh, the television debut of Ray Mysterio. He's going to debut on TV, beating Chavo Guerrero on SmackDown. How long had you been itching to make? <laughs> Ray Mysterio, part of this roster. It feels like somebody you would have seen huge money in right away. Well, we, you know, the story goes, I met with, uh, uh, Ray in LA at a WWE event. I don't know if it's probably raw or SmackDown or something. And, uh, you know, he had like four, I think I'm, I'm guessing here. So bear with me. Something like four months left on his contract, maybe six. And, uh, I wasn't going to offer him the same downside guaranteed number that he was getting at WCW. It was, it, it didn't fit budgetarily. It was too much. Now, could he make more? Absolutely. He can earn more. And that's kind of what we discussed. So that my, my pitch was, why don't you stay home for these whatever the months, four months, six months, whatever it is, be with your family, get over some of your bumps and bruises, uh, be a dad and, and then, and, and stay in shape. And then when your contract with WCW ends and that money stops coming in, I'll hire you. And I said, but I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get the same downside guarantee, but if you sign it, uh, I, Unless you're, if you can stay healthy, you're going to make a, a whole hell of a lot more money than that. And, uh, he, it, it was hard. I think it's hard for talents to believe that pitch that, you know, I'm going to sign you for X, but you're going to make two X. Chris Jericho was the same way. I signed Chris Jericho for, for a fraction of what he was earning at WCW. And all of a sudden he's blowing it away. Conrad, he's making, you know, two or three times his downside guarantee. Right. Then a year later, he's in a seven figure range. So if you stay healthy and you get over and you work your ass off, you can make a lot of money and there's nothing wrong with that concept. Well, it shouldn't be that stringent. What? Let's go out and do your thing. And, 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 and I'll, I will pay you fairly. 
and you'll make a lot of money. So that's kind of what I told Ray. And, and uh, so it has been a long time coming, I guess, is a short answer to that question. Uh, I was very anxious and I had a hard time getting him. You know, Vince was not sold on him. He wanted to rename me. I think, I think Ray was one of the top contenders for the title of, uh, uh, mighty mouse or something. Yeah. He, Vince wanted a small superstar yeah. that could overcome all the odds. And, and his analogy was your cartoon, uh, uh, character, mighty mouse, yeah. cause mighty mouse is little and but somehow he was powerful and he overcame the odds, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my end to get Vince interested in Ray. Uh, even though we all knew and the talents all knew he was a f fantastic worker. So that was kind of how that worked out. But I was very excited to finally, finally we're done. Contracts are done. Ray's healthy. You know, he's ready to roll. So let's go roll. And that's what we did. And, and look, he's Ray's still being booked. He's still being booked. Yeah. It's working. So out. Some, of the, some of those assets that I signed are still being used. Yes. How about edge? He's still being used. Yeah. So, uh, and, but I, I, uh, but I was excited about that Connie. a long answer, but I had a lot of, I had a, a strong emotional investment in Ray and how we got it finally got the deal done and, and all that. So I, I was, I was excited for that night and I knew he wasn't going to let us down. He didn't let you down and neither did the rock in Greensboro on July 29th, him and Ric Flair for the first time maybe the only time ever in a singles match. And I'm sure being an old school student of the game, the way the rock is to wrestle Ric Flair in Greensboro. Yeah. Pretty doggone big deal. Yeah, absolutely. There's history there. There's the legacy of Flair's uh, uh, outings in Greensboro. When I booked that card and I booked that match, I, that was kind of, I was thinking mid Atlantic and the Flair legacy and Greensboro and all the success that, uh, have been enjoyed there by him. And I, I knew rock was all rock was it's funny. He was always a, one that was, he favored nostalgia, right? He really did. He had a great faith and a great love for the business in general. And he, he loved the nostalgia when an old timer would come to the TV in their, in their area, you know, you'd always see rock make a point to talk to, them. you know, old timers, Jackie Fargo and. Memphis or something, something like along those lines, he was the first guy to make his way to the coffee and, and get a cup of coffee and, and uh, say hello to the, to our visitor and, and talk, have a conversation. So it was kind of cool. I don't know how we did that night. You know, our business is up and down, but, uh, I, I thought it was a decent booking and to me, it made sense. So, and apparently to the talents liked it cause they had a hell of a match. I told. You know, one of the things that jumps off the page to me is, is knowing this is probably, I mean, I think a lot of people think, Hey, it might be now or never with the rock. If he's really leaving to make movies, let's try to put some of these dream matches under our belt or just, you know, let him have some fun on the way out. So guys like Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair, maybe we would have saved, especially the Ric Flair piece. I could have seen that being some one-off pay-per-view somewhere and they don't do that. They're just, they're letting him sort of have his fun here. Or is it more a feeling of, Hey, if we don't do it now, we might not ever get to, do you think? I think more of the, the former, uh, I think we always had the belief Conrad that we would never lose rock forever. Right. They, he would always be, 
and maybe always is not a good one, but he would, he would more often than not be available to us in the right circumstance and right situation. So, uh, I don't know that we, that was kind of a general thought to me was, you know, well, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be available to do some things. We just may have to pick our spots and, and do, do better planning. And that's kind of what we did. And, and, uh, you know, he's still, he's another guy. Look, he's the last guy in the world, Conrad, that needs to be wrestling. Come on, let's be honest about it. For real. How much, how much more money can you make? Yeah, he's got enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the other aspect, you're right. And the other aspect of that is, is that, uh, you know, what you got to lose? Every lot. Well, if he tears a peck, or blows out a quad, or gets a concussion, or things like that. Because that can happen. They're very viable and likely to happen at some point in time. You know, I, I, I'm, I love the guy. I signed him. I think he's a, I think I the world of him, but I don't know that if he asked me, said, so do you think I should be wrestling? I'd probably say no. And I don't know that don't sound great with the fans. Oh, we won't rock one more time. I, don't, I, I, I do too, but I don't want him to risk his day job. Yeah. Over a wrestling payday. His day job pays a little bit more. A little bit better. Yeah. And the day shot, the other deal is, is that the wrestling aspect of this deal is that he has so much to lose if things went wrong. Yes. And one of the things I used to do managing, and I don't know if it's the right way to manage or not, but when you've got a hundred plus, uh, testosterone riddled men that, uh, need management, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta figure out, you know, how to how to communicate with all of them. And the last thing I want to do is to get involved in a situation where, you know, we, we got him, we got rock hurt or he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think I didn't, I never, I never believed that he was going to be gone forever, Connie. And, and quite frankly, after that, he did have some nice returns Yeah. that all drew. So we, we still got, we just didn't have him on weekly television. And so, uh, but I never thought we we're going to lose him forever. I just, his love for the product and his love for the brand, uh, is, uh, insurmountable. He'll always be a part of it. He's part of it now. His daughter's down in NXT. Have you seen her work? I have not, but I, I haven't have, either. I have heard the rumors that he's hoping or they're hoping that he'll be able to, uh, do some WrestleMania stuff. So I somehow don't think we're done seeing the rock around. I can see now here's the thing I can see rock having a mixed tag with his daughter at WrestleMania. I can see that. And now there's a lot of, there'll be naysayers that'll knock that idea. Yes. Which is fine. That's just expected, but that's not a, that's a safe. It's a way to get him on TV. It's a way to get his, his name and is in her name and image in the promotion. Uh, there's rock right there calling to see why you're spreading rumor and innuendo here. It's hey. my oncologist. Oh, he got one of those. Sorry. I can't talk right now in messages. Hey, look at there prioritizing our listeners. Damn right. I am. Maybe that one you should have taken. <laughs> it'd, be, I'm, it'd be all right. It's just. There's confirming an appointment. I got to step. Keep that health going, buddy. 
how, how is that going? You know, everybody who follows you on Twitter has, uh, an Instagram has seen the, the slow, but steady healing process. Are, are we looking better? We feeling better. We're happy. We tell us what's going on. Well, I've got new, uh, menace, new salve or bomb. Oh, uh, and, uh, it's a new, uh, treatment and it's, an, and I've got some new pills, uh, from my oncologist that, uh, are helping. So my wound is healing. It's still tender shit, but, uh, it's healing. It's getting better. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the outcome. It's just, I got to take, keep it clean and keep it wrapped and, and all that stuff, but I'm sleeping better. I'm being able to sleep all night now, which is the first and a long time without becoming, uh, in a medical, uh, a self-induced coma. Uh, so I'm doing pretty good. So I'm feeling good. Connie, thank you for asking. And it's just a matter of time and, and getting it healed up. And it's just going to take a little bit more time. It, he told me the other day it may take a year, which would be, uh, November. December area. So if I'll, if that's the, if that's the deal, I'll take it. Just get me healed. Let's get this. I'm tired of the pain. I'm, I'm tired of it, living with it every day. You know, that's one of the great things about doing AEW TV or, or is the fact that I can at least <clears throat> get my mind on that. Yeah. When we, when we go to TV and I love that because it takes my mind off all my I- issues and, uh, I can just have fun. But it's doing better. It's doing better. And I'm, uh, it's traveling still tough. You know, uh, I got, I got, I've sold now on compression socks. You ever tried compression socks, Connie? No, but I've, I've heard you brag about them on uh, social. Yeah. And here's the deal on Facebook. They got, they got up to five X size. I use a three X because my calves are fat. Uh, so I, I'm, uh, living in, on those, those uh, compression socks. And I will tell you, if you haven't tried them, it's a, it's a thought, it's a thought you should consider. Makes a difference takes... for travel, huh? Oh shit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it helps me a bunch. And I think anybody that uses them would probably tell you the same thing. Uh, it's, it's not a fa- <clears throat> it's not a fashion statement. But it certainly is. It, it's helpful, and it's helped me a lot. So, as your friend and someone that loves you, at your size and my size, get get some compression socks. Yeah, and you can order them online because it's hard to find them in a in a in a CVS or something that actually are the X or XLs. I got you. You're gonna need a you know you know you're gonna need an XL or three X or whatever the hell you need a but a big boy got, one. I got you. They got big ones. Yeah. They got big old good ones. And so my buddy said about women are, and it's one of their personal little things. There's big old good ones and good old big ones. <laughs> so there you are more wisdom for the camp in Shea Arlen. Benoit is going to defeat RVD for the IC title. And then I'll be darned. They're doing something big with this three minute warning outfit. Rosie and Jamal show up to beat up Moolah and may young. So you got two 80 plus 80 year old women here getting beat up. Uh, <laughs> these ladies were up for everything. You want them to take a guitar? No problem. You want Bubba Ray to take them off the top with a, with a table? No problem. 
How about Rosie and Jamal just come kick the shit out of them? Sounds good. <laughs> Unbelievable what these ladies were going through every week. Yeah, they're they were a, a superhuman, quite frankly, especially May. That you couldn't get you couldn't get aggressive and physical enough to suit May. May Young was just, you know, we're doing this movie of Millie about Mildred Burke and the final drafts in, and we got financing, and we, we're going to probably shoot it in Savannah. Uh, about her life, it's, and it's based on the book Queen of the Ring by Jeff Lean, L E E N. If you want to read a great wrestling book, uh, but uh, she was just a she was always been that way. In May, she she may if May could have wrestled only men, she'd have been ecstatic because they were stiffer and more firm, all, you know, all that stuff. But the boy May was up for anything, no matter what it was, you know, giving birth to Mark Henry's hand or what, what was that? Was it his hand? Uh, yeah, he had her, uh, she had his hand baby. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's that, uh, but it was a segment of television that some folks found entertaining. Some folks went and made a sandwich. The bottom line is, is that uh, May and Moolah, uh, were great team players. Sean Michaels is going to be shown here in the parking lot. He's uh, been beaten to a bloody pulp and there's an assumption that he's been beaten up by a mystery assailant. And we see triple H trying to show some sympathy to, I guess, make us believe it's someone else. Uh, there's some brand switching going on here. Jericho is going to move over to raw and attack flair following his loss to the rock. He's also going to be joined by the un-Americans trio and moving over. They're bringing the tag titles with them. Then on SmackDown. Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero are moved over with Benoit bringing the IC title with him. So this is really the first time we saw a lot of moving back and forth with the brand split. And it's not even an old idea at this point. And we're already not able to really stick to the initial concept. Right. Yeah. When did you realize this brand split was a not going to work or B just be a straight up bust? Well, I, during this whole time, we started moving around and, and, uh, you know, the riders are leveraged there. We need this guy. I've had this guy I could do this and all these things. And, you know, and, and if it sounded like a good idea, then Vince would go along with it. I just thought we were jumping the gun a little bit on, on changing these things. We, you know, it's hard to, you know, where's the intercontinental title? Well, that's a, that's a hold on. That's a, oh, that's Ben Walls, the intercontinental champion. Yeah. I think he's on, is he on SmackDown now? So there's a, there's confusion in the marketplace, right? And the last thing you want as a, as a marketer is to create inadvertently as it were confusion. Yes. So I, I was, I was un I was getting unsettled with the concept, uh, right about right now. And you just hope that we don't over, we don't, we don't go overboard to this damn thing and, and, and confuse the audience. So that's kind of what I, I was in that deal. I was glad to see, uh, Jericho come to raw. Cause I was doing raw at that time. Uh, so, but it, it's, it started to feel a little bit unsettled about too much, too much movement. And I, and, and I was hopeful that it would pan out to, to something good, obviously, but, uh, unfortunately that was not the case. The uh, next draw is the big reveal of triple H as the mystery attacker of Sean, uh, that essentially confirms their match of uh, SummerSlam. 
Meltzer would say this. The whole show was built around triple H playing badass on all the heels leading to the revelation. It was he who destroyed Michaels at the end of the show. It was a scenario I've seen in similar form dozens of times in wrestling where the young heel insults, the old legend leading him to come out of retirement, not for a wrestling match, but for a fight one last time. Like with last week, triple H said all the right words. And it was a scenario that probably looked great on paper. But Michaels, after all these years saying he was coming back, got remarkably little reaction. The live crowd seemed bored by the lengthy interview, probably because almost all of them had figured out triple H was the guy who did it long before it was revealed. The show ended with triple H doing an interview and Michaels tuning in by satellite with a tremendous makeup job, making him look like Don Fry's last opponent. The two had a love fest, like they were best friends. They showed supposed uh, surveillance camera footage showing triple H as the assailant. Michaels vowed to come back at SummerSlam. Triple H said it was a joke. Michaels thought he could compete with him, said he'd hurt him badly and he'd make it so he couldn't hold his baby. Couldn't satisfy his wife, etc. Oh God. All that stuff would have been tremendous if anyone took anything serious. But when you're caught, when you're taught, you're stupid to care and expect to swerve. Well, even wrestling fans don't want to be stupid and they didn't no. care. Even though I thought it went a little long, it was well done. So it is, I mean, they, they try to pull out all the stops for Sean's return, but I do remember it feeling a little anticlimactic that when Sean reveals he's coming back, it's done by satellite. It's not done in person. That does problem. Feel, that's a problem. Yeah. Should have been done in the ring surrounded by fans and, uh, you'd got a better, you'd have got a better reaction for everything. I don't know why we didn't do that. We did that. I don't know why we did that. Had to do it by satellite. Well, we got, we have to keep them apart. That's the whole deal. Well, they can't touch until SummerSlam because why? Well, that's how we've always done it. And I totally disagree. It was time to make a little switch there. Should have been done in the ring. Uh, and, and, and it would have been immensely more successful. It's, uh, it's a shame that it happened that way because boy, people love Shawn Michaels and yeah. he Hunter has done an amazing job. You know, let's remind everybody, this is the year where he came back and, and, and won the Royal rumble at the beginning of the year. And now here by summer, after being cheered like crazy in January, he's back to being a heel. And that's probably yeah. where he's most comfortable. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Without a doubt. He loved being a heel. Yeah. And he was really good at it. Talents usually love to do things that, are, that they perceive they're really good at. And I don't blame them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, Hunter, Hunter became a, a better heel and he was a great heel, really a great heel. And, uh, but I, I also believe that uh, Sean is that amazing baby face. Here's the thing. No matter how we dissect the build. We all kind of knew or felt that the Sean Hunter match is going to be yes. spectacular and they delivered in a major way. No doubt about that. It was a fantastic match and we're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about Rosie and Jamal beating up the ring announcer, Lillian Garcia. Uh, I mean, nobody's safe from these boys. Um, do you think the use of a ring announcer it feels like something you would have been down on. It doesn't, it feels old school to like, nobody ever touched Gordon solely. Right. 
right. D- did you err on the side of, ah, it's entertainment or is it one of those things where as a broadcaster, you thought, boy, you're killing our credibility. We should be here to call the action, not be a part of it. Where did you land on that? Well, I never liked being a part of it, uh, personally, cause I thought I was not suited skill set wise to be, you know, I got beat up by a lot of guys. I had a lot of entering, uh, you know, skits scenes, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. With a lot of guys, a lot of, and luckily for me, they're all top guys. So that helped my image. I'm getting beat up by taker or Kurt, you know, kiss of Vince's ass, uh, Bischoff, uh, hit me with a center block. Arn Anderson made of my blade and I got color. Uh, I can't remember all the guys, There's tons of them. Seems like Austin probably the most infamous one where he, he deviated from the blade and used a scaffold, which I wasn't even aware of. And he, and he, uh, cut me like a hog. <laughs> so I, I had that experience and I didn't. I didn't like them. I, I just thought it was taking time away from somebody else that could get over and, and then run with it. Cause once you beat me up and you got the juice on JR, we're done. Yeah. Now what we're done. Cause we're, we're through. So, uh, I, I erred on the side of let leave the angles to the talents that can draw money for you as opposed to not. And, uh, I, so personally I had some interesting times with it, you know, the thing with the uh, Jack uh, Swagger and and uh, Michael Cole and all that Lawler and I. Then I had a tag match in Oklahoma City one time with Lawler against Regal and Lance Storm. Uh, so I had a lot of experience in this area that you're talking about right now. I just believe that uh, I was better off to stand in my lane, and I believe this holds true. I I, I the thing about the thing with Lillian, you know, you got to be careful what you do there. Cause she's not trained to take bumps right? or get involved in physicality. And it's, it's very easy to, to think that, well, this is easy. Anybody can do it. Well, no, they can't. No, incorrect. Incorrect. So, uh, I'd err on the, my ridiculously long answer is I'd probably keep everybody in their lane. Yeah. And if it worked out in some, a one-off here, there, or yawn, maybe. Other than that, stay away from it. On the next SmackDown, Hulk Hogan is put out of WWE and left a bloody mess at the hands of Brock Lesnar. So Hogan's big comeback lasted just under six months here. Of course, we remember he came back in February for the whole, uh, no way out pay-per-view made some real magic here with the rock the next month at WrestleMania, but now he's out. Is this one of those deals where he got his mania payoff and wasn't happy? Is this cash and creative, like everything else. Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, probably probably. He, I think he just saw the handwriting on the wall. You're not going to be the top guy. And you know, and, it, but we gave him, he had a good period of time there in this earlier in that year, you know, especially at the WrestleMania 18 in, in Toronto with rock. Where do you go from there? Right. I think that's kind of where we were. Where do we go from here now? And I think the general consensus was that we had gotten all the productivity from this, this old veteran that had back her horrible back issues, health issues. Maybe we got all the, maybe we got all the juice out of the vine. I don't know, but I think that was what the idea was that we, we'd come to an end. And I think Hogan is smart enough to realize you're not going to be in all the main events. You might not be in any of the main events. 
because we're going to go young and we're going to go with Brock Lesnar. Good decision in my view. One of the other things that was uh, rumored at the time was that he had been, he being Hulk Hogan pronouns, pal, come on pronoun boy had been promoted in Australia. And you know, this is the first time he would have been there for the WWE or I guess WWE's first show in Australia in like 16 years. And then he asked to uh, be pulled out. He didn't think he could handle the two long flights over and wanted to be home on his birthday. And I don't know if that was just, you know, one of those creature comfort things, cash, creative, whatever it is, he disappointed some folks. And I guess that's the end of him in WWE. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the commitment the, the booking was, was significant in the sense that, uh, of the time frame that you mentioned Conrad. Uh, so he should have kept his booking. If he agreed to go and he was advertised, it's a no brainer. And we're sorry. You're missing your birthday. Yeah. We'll buy you a great big old cake. and You'll have it when you get home or over there, you know, when you guys, it would have happened <laughs> over there. Oh, of course. Of course it was a big success. Um, they're going to wind up running Melbourne's colonial stadium on August 10th. And now WWE has ran there almost every year until COVID. Uh, so it was a big show when they come back, uh, they've got, uh, a show at the key arena in Seattle and it's a super hot crowd with a white hot eight man with the un-Americans and triple H over the rock Booker T Goldust, and undertaker, which sounds sort of like a fever dream, but man, the crowd was with it in a major way. Um, and Taker doesn't lose a lot here. I mean, he does very, very few jobs, but it happens here and it's kind of cool to see test kick undertaker in the face as he's getting ready to power bomb storm and then test pins him to set up their match. And the crowd's just going bananas. Undertaker doesn't lose a lot and, uh, you know, take a shot at trying to, to get a new guy over like test, although he's not new, they're trying to move him up the card here. This shows you once again, the undertaker, man, he's all business, all business, all team do the right thing. Uh, you know, what could we do if we had any faith at all? And we did it, it, it waned at times, obviously for obvious reasons, test, uh, but ha having him get a win or pin the undertaker in that tag, what could you have done any better or more significant? uh, to, to move test up the ladder, to get his perception more positive, yeah, but that's just taker. He's, a lot of those things that this, this is going to be what we just said is going to be a surprise to a lot of fans listening, because a lot of people weren't aware that he Taker dropped a fall in Australia. It didn't sound like a big issue, but it was a big issue at that time. And especially a big issue for test. We just never got to the finish line with test. And his drug and alcohol use, uh, didn't do him any favors. What could have been man, uh, Lesnar is going to appear with Heyman as uh, fans in the audience, uh, for an opening angle where Lesnar distracts rock and triple H lays him out with a pedigree. Uh, they try to get the fans to chant Howard, the coward. He's playing a heel ring announcer to set up a probable confrontation with Lillian Garcia. Uh, dreamer is going to get an, uh, an ECW chant where he's doing his old character in a hardcore title match with Richards and, uh, Meltzer is sort of freestyling what could have been quote. It's amazing how a character that hasn't been used in 18 months and put on a character who was just totally dead. Not that many weeks ago can get over like that. 
just goes to show you how badly they botched up a potential of an ECW as a group within WWE last year. I mean, dreamer did get these big reactions. Do you think there was a missed opportunity with dreamer? Yeah, I think times? so. Yeah. Well, I don't know about dreamer. Uh, could have been, could have been, I think in general, the ECW, uh, inner intermingling, uh, was, uh, left something was left behind on that. I think that we could have done more with the ECW brand uh, with some, with some angles and with some stories being told and, and getting some personal things. So out there, uh, than, than we did. So I, I thought we left money on the table with ECW. I thought we could have done more. It's just, you know, it was not a good political fit for whatever fucking reason. I never understood all that shit. Uh, but it, that's the way it was political. <clears throat> and I thought we could have done more of the ECW stuff. You know, I, I didn't, I, I was a fan of ECW to probably moderate, moderately. Uh, but I thought we could have done more and we didn't. And I think the reasons were not about business. They're personal in my view. Well, I would argue that all the time with, uh, with Bruce myself, it felt like there was a missed opportunity with a lot of those guys. And it seems like some of the stuff is, uh, inevitable, just like brothers turning on each other. Matt Hardy's going to turn on Jeff again, costing him a match with Van Dam. Then Matt never liked that smack brother. I'm sorry, Connor. I never, I didn't like that Hardy thing. Me neither. Keep them together. They should yeah. be, they should be pulling for each other. Don't overthink this. You know, they're, they're blood brothers and you know, they're over. And, you know, we knew that the star of the group seemed to be at the time, Jeff, uh, hence the match that we, you, you alluded to earlier that he had with Taker, or I said, climb the ladder and make yourself famous or something along those lines. You got it. Yeah. And, uh, that was a fun match to call, but it's what it did. It showed that Jeff could stay in step with a top guy and a one-on-one -on -one match on, on the live television with one guy, meaning taker, uh, answered a lot of questions. Is Jeff too big, too small? Uh, can he do this? Can he do that? Whatever the case. But I thought that, uh, it just, to me, it's just another reason not to bust up the Hardys. You can separate them and let them go on their single careers and try to become single champions and live their dreams as an individual. We can tell that story. Yeah. Uh, but they don't need to just fight each other and, uh, and become, uh, enemies. I don't see that. So that's just me to me. It's just not as it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe to me. Well, let's talk about something else. That's hard to believe the WWE had to let 15 front office employees go. Uh, this makes the observer on August 26th quote. This was part of an attempt to slash 20 million in total expenses from the budget due to the revenue shortfall. One thing about WWE is that when it becomes apparent revenues are going down, they make the business call to maintain profitability rather than so many companies, companies that seemingly let these problems get way out of control until it's too late. The developmental cuts a few weeks back were a small part of the slashing of expenses. How involved are you in these conversations? Because clearly this is not a fun part of your job, but if you're having to let folks go. It's the necessary evil to hit the number, right? Well, Vince would always bounce things by me. And what do you think? I'm, we got to do this for, you know, we got to cut the overhead so forth, which made sense. 
if the revenues that are coming in don't justify the, the main, maintaining the budget, you got to do something. Same as you, you do the same thing. We, it's just math. So if you're, if you're, if you're creating a negative situation where the bottom line is all red, uh, not cool. Uh, we would talk about talents and, you know, I need to, we need to figure out who we're going to keep down in, in the, in developmental. And I, I want you to tell me who we need to keep or who we need to let go. So we would converse about it, but he, you know, he, he was, uh, and he was objective. You know, I had no issues with that whatsoever. It's just unfortunate. You got to make those decisions that somebody's got to go and it's never fun. Worst thing of this whole job that I had was letting people go. They, you're, you're taking their dreams from them. At least that's their perception. And a lot of them have no plan B. Right. And they've always, they, they'll tell you, this is all I ever wanted to do. So, uh, but we would converse about it and, and try to figure it out. We kept our salaries down there though. Very, uh, you know, there's only a few guys that made big, big money as rookies or a Developmental talents. Your Lesnar was one of them. Rock was one of them. I thought those were good calls. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he says, patting himself on the back. Uh, but we kept the budgets there pretty uh, realistic. And we had 90 day outs. So anybody could, we could say goodbye to anybody contractually and legally with 90 day notice, meaning they're going to get paid for the next 90 days. We're not going to use them. Uh, they're going to be, you're going to be off and you can be thinking about your next journey. So that helped us a little bit. So nobody ever had a, even though you'd sign us about your three-year deal or a five-year deal or whatever, you still had 90, you still had 90 day outs and the, and the money's, there's only a couple of guys that had guaranteed deals and because you, you couldn't give somebody a guaranteed deal if you didn't, you know, didn't know how they were going to pan out. Right. Or, or, or you need to see something special in them. Like it didn't take a, a genius to figure out that Lesnar and rock, for example, were going to be big stars, but they weren't alone in that, in those developmental groups. We had several guys that became like hall of fame level, uh, talents. So it was just, it was a collective effort though. On the, on the budget, he was, he would run things by me just to say, Looks like I'm going to, looks like we're going to let so-and-so go the a business side. And, you know, I'd have a, if I had a comment to make or a, something, I would mention it. Oh, I thought the guy did a good job or I think it's past due or whatever, but I would give him some feedback. Uh, but he had his own, you know, they knew what they wanted, what they needed to do. And it's all about numbers. I don't think it was more about personalities as it was numbers. And then sometimes people get caught up in the numbers game and, and then there's fatalities. Those are always un- uncomfortable. Well, Bischoff has decided to uh, decide the hardcore title concept is uncomfortable, especially this 24-7 rule. So he gets rid of it, and Meltzer would say, and only a year too late. So he orders a six-minute battle royal type match with a bunch of ex-champions, and whoever has it at the end is the champ, and they would defend it in regular singles matches. Quote, I guess this means there won't be another 166 hardcore title changes over the rest of the year. So I think everybody kind of agreed. All right. That was fun, but let's move on. Yeah. Uh, was the hardcore title ever the 24, seven rule ever interesting to you, or did you just appreciate it for what it was? It's a fun filler segment. It's comedy. 
and it's not to be taken seriously. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. So I, I could, if it, if it stayed fine, if it left, maybe a little better. I wasn't a big fan of it. It just seemed to be unrealistic and it's hard to sell, hard to sell. It's hard to, it's hard to make it serious, even though it was what it was. It's hard to make it serious. It got a lot of guys to TV time. Yeah. It got some guys some TV pay. Uh, so that I liked, but the concept itself in general, I thought was somewhat weak. It's interesting. You know, we're getting rid of the European title. We're resetting the hardcore title, but something that we're not changing is the way the ladies are presented. We're going to see Trish and Stacy Keebler do a mud brawn panties match. Yeah. So it's a brawn panties match in the mud. Meltzer would say this was far less sexy than it sounds. Stratus was thrown off the stage into the mud and they got so drenched that neither looked attractive. Charles Robinson got thrown in the mud and ended up looking like fit Finley. Even Finkel took a spill <laughs> in the mud for the comedy pleasure of him ring announcing the rest of the show drenched in mud. Boy, I know you wrote about it a lot in your book, but Finkel had it pretty rough with Mr. McMahon at times too. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Howard was the butt of a lot of jokes, unfortunately. And he loved every minute of it. He may not have loved it down to his core, right? But he loved being a part of the show. Howard would, you could throw Howard in the mud every week. It'd have been okay. Uh, but yeah, it was Howard. Howard had some Howard. Like I said, Howard was the butt of a lot of jokes. Sometimes it became uncomfortable, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the, I saw that uh, mud thing the other day on the line. Somebody sent it to me. And, uh, I kind of, I hadn't forgotten about it, but I, I, uh, watched it again and it was just sex and little TNA. How do you take it seriously? Just comedy and it's entertainment. That's what I, I like to say. It's the sports interstate. It's the sports entertainment, uh, facet of, uh, of the TV show. And they, we had a lot of comedy on our show. You know, that may, and a lot of that was treated, and I'll say this in a bad way. Uh, Brian Gortz, that was his style. And Brian has got a great book out right now. I don't know if you've got a copy of it yet, Conrad. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So he's a real smart guy. And I like working with him. He's, he was, he was good. We didn't always agree, obviously, but so what? Uh, but we, we got along, we got along well. I'm happy for his success. He's done really well working with Brock. So, uh, I'm proud of Brian and he's got a good, so if you got a chance to check out his book, what's the name of that damn thing? Uh, there's only uh, one problem or there's just one problem. Uh, but I think everybody should go read it. Like I, I really love your book and I think it's probably one of, if not the best book in wrestling history. And I put it right up there with, um, Mick Foley's first book and Bret yeah. Hart's book. And I think now we can round out our Mount Rushmore of wrestling books. There's just one problem, uh, from Brian Gerwitz. It's uh, G E W R I T Z. Uh, I have to make sure I spell it because Bruce and I have intentionally mispronounced it so many times trying to make fun of Michael Hayes on our podcast that I have to think <laughs> about it a little bit, but Brian's new book is unanimously w well received. There's yeah. uh, at least three laugh out loud moments. Where Megan asked me when I was reading it this past week at the beach, what is wrong with you? I laughed so hard at one of the stories. I won't spoil it here. I snorted. 
Uh, fantastic. It, it got a snorter out of you. There's just one problem. Go check it out. I think you'll love it. Yeah. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll, you'll, you'll love it. It's a, from the most unique perspective, Conrad. Yes. That you could, I mean, he was there and he was writing this stuff. Yes. And, uh, he became the confidant of the rock to where that relationship has grown into uh, a full-time living. And he, you know, he, Brian did a lot of great things on young rock. Uh, you know, he stayed there and he lived there in Australia for quite some time, sticking with Australia. And, uh, uh, so he's, he's the, the book is this it's authentic and it's funny and it's not trying to rethink, re, you know, reinvent the business. It's not that it's just, he's, he's telling you stories that actually have happened and how he came up with the ideas, how he sold it to the talent, all those things. So I'm, uh, I'm with you. I. I highly encourage fans to check Brian's book out. It's really, really good. And I can tell you, did you have an, didn't you have an interview with him? We did. Yeah. We did it last week on 83 weeks. Go check it out. Uh, not this, not three days ago show, but 10 days ago show at the end, we had audio and video of Brian and I having a near two hour conversation. Really, really good stuff. Can't recommend it enough. And I wish I could say the same on this go home episode of raw before we saw SummerSlam. It was just sort of, okay. Uh, it feels like we're trying to get to a fever pitch, but there's some stuff that maybe doesn't make sense. Jericho's going to come out as a heel. He's going to be working with flair and cut a promo on triple H who buries him again by laughing at everything he said, but not laughing in a good way, according to Dave Meltzer. And it is interesting to see one heel sort of mocking another heel. You would think they would be on the same side. Either way, flair comes out, puts Jericho in a garbage can. Uh, Undertaker's going to be here doing some stuff with the un-Americans, maybe not selling as well as Meltzer thought maybe he should. Either way, we get to the main event. It's a no DQ main event with two of the biggest stars of all time, the rock and triple H and it ends without a finish. So it feels a little nitro in that regard, but we're trying to sell some tickets, baby. Lesnar's going to come out with Paul Heyman. Eventually Shawn Michaels runs in and, and when it's all said and done with a crazy, you know, pier six brawl. Meltzer says, uh, luckily, uh, Michael's back seemed to be hurting already. And then he tried a running dive over the top, but he didn't clear the top rope. Luckily he wasn't hurt on this. And he and triple H brawled to a wild ending. I've got little doubt. Michael's will have a really good match, but I hope he doesn't hurt his back in the process. And now we look back and we say, well, that was silly. He had a fucking great career after this, but going into this folks didn't really know what to expect. And he is a beloved figure in WWE history, not just with fans, but in the front office. Do you remember there being some real concerns about, Hey man, is Sean going to be able to do this? Well, yeah. Uh, I think what the general consensus was is to let him know that he doesn't have to go crazy to have a great match because he's Sean Michaels. Uh, and you know, but just do things that you can execute in a safe way, because at the time, uh, we didn't know how many matches we were going to use Sean. Yeah. Cause this could have been a one-off, you know, if he came out of that thing battered and fried, it's a one-off, but he came through with flying colors. And, and like you said, he had some great matches after that, uh, including the main event at SummerSlam or a main event at SummerSlam. So, uh, there was the jury was still out there. How will he get out? How will he come through in this match will dictate how we're going to go forward 
And I think and Sean was on board with that. You know, we, none of us knew exactly how his body was going to hold up. And that back is a delicate thing, man. So, uh, and you can't, that's why I say, you know, uh, when you go to those guys go to wrestling camps and they wonder why they're doing so many drills about how to take a flat back bump, a flat back bump is your key to success or failure. But if you can't take a flat back, then you can't make it in the wrestling business period. So, uh, and Sean's back was the issue. So it all, all the dots connected. So how are we going to address this? Well, we're going to wait till the match is over and see how he feels. And that's what we did. And luckily for uh, the fans and us, uh, he had more left in the tank than we perceived. So boys and girls, if you're looking for any wrestling show to watch today, an old school wrestling show that you're going to enjoy, can I recommend SummerSlam 2002? <laughs> Here's why the readers of the wrestling observer voted. And this got 99.7% thumbs up. Wow. That's Mel- great. Meltzer said that the SummerSlam 02 show on August 25th at the Nassau Coliseum will go down as one of the best received pay-per-views in company history and the night of anointing Brock Lesnar as the company's new superstar. It was a sellout 14,797 fans paying $893,625 at the gate. It's unbelievable. That would have been well over a million these days, of course. And, uh, Meltzer would say the decision was made months of months ago that they were going with Lesnar, but it was Rocky at first quote. Lesnar's early push was reminiscent of sputtering pushes given to others that some people in the company were behind and others were railroading instead of being a monster. He was portrayed as a guy who needed a manager to interfere, to save him from being pinned by mid carters like Bubba Ray Dudley and the Hardys. His win at King of the ring came across far more impressive for the majority of fans who skipped that pay-per-view and only heard about it on TV, going back to old fashioned booking, making a headliner with long-term planning paid off while Lesnar winning the title was no secret. And the long-term plan was hardly a secret months ago. There were no changes in the plan that would quote unquote fool people, even though they might hurt the original ultimate goal. The end result seems to have been a successful show during a period when aspects of the business are way down. The idea is to get Lesnar over as a fresh money draw. The guy he needed to beat was the rock and the rock would do it the right way. The fact he was untarnished and the fans never saw him lose, except for those who saw him at house shows before his TV push started for all the talk of winning and losing, not meaning anything. It was part of the reason this worked and they went full steam ahead in that direction with great finishing touches being the training videos of both that aired on many different shows. Rock to his credit, put Lesnar over in the middle with the F five and whatever Lesnar's career does from here certainly can't be blamed on the rock, not giving him the proper send off. Right. A lot of praise for the rock for doing business the right way. Not that we ever doubted he would. Right. And a lot of talk about, Hey, they did this the right way. Wins and losses don't matter. Well, he didn't lose and this works. So maybe they do matter. Yeah, and, and I know that you and I've had some fun with that about, well, you got to be able to lose blah, blah, blah. And I get yeah. that, but man, they just did it again with Roman reigns, right? They, they, they had him go on a run and ta-da he's, uh, he's over like Rover. What do you think? Do wins really matter more than we give them credit for? Or is it about when you're debuting a guy that it's most important? Well, it's, I think it's your win loss record and how you, how you you get over, you go over, you should, you know, you want to do both obviously, but, uh, I'm a, 
I'm a believer that, uh, you got to follow trends and you got to follow what the public what the public's investing their emotions in example would be, uh, uh, the big kid at, uh, the Yankees that hits the home runs, uh, whatever his name is. I can't think of his name now. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing, but think people follow that. The, the people follow numbers nowadays. People follow stats nowadays. And I think that Tony Khan does a nice job. We you know we have a top five ranking. Uh, we have uh, win loss records. We talk about that on TV with part of our announcer notes of what somebody's record is and how many they've won the last, you know, somebody, some guys are like uh, just now getting wins and they're getting a significant number of wins. So this guy, so instead of saying he's, he's 12 and 13 is his one loss record. You say, well, he's won 12 of his last 10. Something like that. People are fascinated by numbers in general, Conrad. And I probably have changed my opinion of that a little bit. I do believe that a great, all great workers know how to lose, uh, and, and what's best for the match and, and everybody in it involved. So I, I've changed my opinion on that somewhat. So I do follow the numbers and I think that the numbers, you know, uh, when you do a match with a Moxley and a punk. You know, their win loss records are impressive as hell. So if you're a new fan or a casual fan and you hear this JR or somebody say, well, he's, uh, you know, this year he's, you know, 18 and two, right. Well, you can, you can relate to that. Yes. You can relate to that. So, uh, anyway, I, I do, I have changed my tune on that somewhat. So I do think that the, uh, win losses are important. Uh, and, and we want to keep up with the, who's winning and all that stuff and underscore it and point it out. I think that uh, we, we probably do that a little bit better than WWE because, you know, they just don't follow that principle very much. Maybe they'll start because it, like I said, I think it is significant. So, uh, it's, I've changed my tune on that a little bit. The show here gets 540,000 buys. It's the fourth most successful pay-per-view of the year behind the rumble, no way out and WrestleMania. It is down from 30,000 buys the year before, which had rock and Booker T, but that was for the WCW title and Austin angle for the WWF title. Still people talk about 2001 as if it's the pinnacle of WWE. And they talk about 2002 as it's the part of the downhill slope. 500,000 buys is nothing to sneeze at 540. No. My goodness. Yeah. A lot of money. And, and there's a lot to be excited about here. You got the, the show making Brock, you got rock. Who's the biggest star in the business. You got Shawn Michaels coming back and Meltzer would say the non wrestling on the show was kept to a minimum. There was a deal where they had Stephanie and Bischoff share an office and only a few brief interludes with them. Stephanie is so wrong for this role, but that's beating a dead horse. Uh, and then of course the actual, I wonder why he feels that she's just, he, she, does he feel that she's not skilled enough to do it or, or, or what, what do you think that her, his motive of saying that is, I think he just didn't feel like she was comfortable as a performer yet, or, but here's the thing. She became, as we know, one of the best heels in the whole business. Without a doubt. I just don't think maybe he saw that in 2002. Okay. But, but you got to well, give that. these folks an, an opportunity to grow into that role. I mean, sometimes you just got to throw them in there and they'll get better. Right. I don't know how, how old she was at that time, uh, that we're discussing. Yeah. But she was a pup. She was young and it was, it was new ground. 
And I don't know of anybody that could have stepped into that role. She was 25, Jim. All right. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and to guys like me, that's a pup. It is. <laughs> so I thought she did fine. I've always been a big a supporter of hers. Uh, I loved her work as a heel. She took after the old man. She took that. She was just natural. And so, but I understand too, the motive or what you just said, it made sense. Maybe Melcher just thought she wasn't ready at that time yeah. for, for that role. Uh, and, and we know looking back at it and bringing, trying to in our time machine that she would end up being, as you said, one of the best heels in the entire business. Let's talk about, um, the announcing here. Meltzer says they alternated announcing crews with Michael Cole and Taz at ringside, like they would be for SmackDown. And with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler away from the ring, like they would be at raw. Basically each did their own cruise matches. Ross and Lawler did Benoit Van Dam since that gave each side four matches. This wound up as a success for several reasons. First, each crew got breaks. Plus the natural competitive spirit flowed and Ross in particular was on particularly selling with Michael's huge return since it was quote unquote, his main event. Cole and Taz, by getting to do the pay-per-view main event and a historic match, gave them credibility as a quote-unquote equal crew, as opposed to their perception as the B crew. Taz ended up with the line of the night because Cole said that if Lesnar wins the title, it would make Paul Heyman a millionaire. And Taz then said, a millionaire who owes a lot of people money. Uh, It may have hurt not having Ross do the main event as far as getting over Lesnar's title win, but on the flip side, it was good for Cole's positioning to be able to call it. So yeah. when I read this, the thing that jumped off the most to me is I bet Jr. liked that. That meant they had breaks, uh, <laughs> but I bet he also wishes selfishly. He was calling the main event. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was jealous, no doubt. And I'm glad those guys got the opportunity to do their thing and they did a, they did a real good job. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, and ended up being a real good team. Uh, as long as they were together, I thought they did a great job. So, uh, but I, I, I really missed the, the Lesnar, the, the, the change was something I would like to have been involved in the Lesnar thing. Cause I was involved in recruiting him and signing him and getting him trained and, you know, working through some issues. Uh, and it just didn't work out that way. So I, I will fully admit I was jealous of those guys for calling the main event two guys that I had a, a big stake in. Right. You know, two guys I signed and I believed in them and I still believe in them and uh, to this very day. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, as a talent, you, you Jones a little bit that I wish I'd have called that match. And I do, uh, for the, for the reasons I, I, I explained, but, uh, it seemed to work out. Okay. Uh, I, I never liked that, that announced position and I, I work with it every week. We're in the same situation on, on, uh, dynamite for and, and rampage were away from the ring. I had to kind of get used to that. It's not my favorite place to be. I'd rather be at ringside. So, uh, but that's not how, how it works. So we just, you know, if you call off your monitor, then, you know, you do good. You know, somebody said, and I thought about this Conrad and I'm, I'm, I think I mentioned this in one of the other shows that one of the reasons but I, 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 I didn't do the, your show in Nashville with Nate yeah. was travel issues. And my foot was at that point in time, my leg was swelling and my, I couldn't wear shoot. My shoes wouldn't fit because my left foot was swelled 
grotesquely looking like Andres. And the other thing was, as far as David and Tony are concerned, I I knew that well you'll get a, Conrad will get a nice pop if Jr's not out there. And then all of a sudden this music plays, he goes out and does the last match. And I started thinking a little bit more about that too. Way after we made this decision for the travel matter, you know, Tony and David did more for for Flair than I did in the mid Atlantic days. They were there. They worked the whole, you know, they worked the whole, uh, show that you booked and I'm thinking, well, how's it going to look and how are they going to feel by me riding my white horse in at the end of the show and doing the main event. And I'd love to have done it when those, when your, when your wife uh, and Karen's gotten their shit, little deal. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I could have had a blast with that as, as a commentator. But it just seemed like in the, in hindsight, and again, that was not the original reason that I didn't do the match. The original, the reason was, is I couldn't travel well and sitting around all day, uh, was just, it's just wasn't in the cards. And so, but I also thought that it was the right thing to do for Tony and David. They deserved that opportunity and they'd worked. And I didn't realize that they were also going to do the whole show. That's a hell of a lot of work. So I, I thought they deserved that opportunity and had the spotlight on them and, and not me and not sharing it with me was a better deal, uh, for them. And I did that out of respect. I think that now out of respect for both guys. So that's kind of where I was in that deal. I, don't know why, I just want to throw that in there, but that's kind of the situation that ties back into Brock and, and rock, you know, they, I, I, I don't think I deserved to call the match. But I think that it would have made sense if I did, but anyway, something that didn't make sense to me, Kurt Angle's going to beat Ray Mysterio in the opening match here. This is Ray's WWE pay-per-view debut. I would have liked to have seen Ray win it. I understand Kurt's positioning in the company is important and, and he is definitely going to be a top guy, but I wonder why put them together. Yeah, but that's overthinking it. Cause if you just go watch the match, boy, it was fantastic. Maybe one of the best opening matches in pay-per-view history. Uh, the finish would see Kurt angle block a Frankensteiner off the top rope, turn it into an ankle lock. They only get nine minutes and 20 seconds, but my goodness, was it good stuff? Three and three quarter stars. According to the observer, I don't guess it's any surprise that Mysterio and angle had chemistry together. Hell they had it with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But well, they're so talented and. You know, Ray was, Ray was just a phenomenon. And so was Kurt, you know, Kurt, I I said this before next to Jack Briscoe, Kurt angle is the best amateur turn pro, uh, at, at, at that time he was the best. Yeah. And that includes Brock, uh, because it took Brock a little longer to, because there's lack of pro wrestling background. And product knowledge, uh, Kurt didn't ha- he had the same background, but some, for some reason he, he soaked all this stuff up like a sponge. Yeah. And, uh, so it, I'm, I'm with you. I, it probably wasn't an ideal booking, but it, it had a lot, it looked great on paper and they had a hell of a match. Oh, yeah. Somebody's got to lose. And that's the situation where, well, maybe if you had a, people are going to maybe roll their eyes at this statement. But maybe if we had something along the lines of what we do at AEW from time to time, uh, you had a time limit draw. They're, they're survival. It's, it's like an NFL team going to overtime. 
or whatever. So I I was a, a, a big fan of both guys, obviously, but uh, two more guys I signed that I had great confidence in. But somebody's got to lose, and Ray had a Ray was so skilled that he was able to do the honors, Conrad, and still get over. Absolutely. Think about that though. That's your opening match. Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio. Next up, Ric Flair and Chris Jericho. Very good pairing. My goodness. Uh, it's a great match and, uh, Meltzer didn't love it as much two and three quarter stars, but I really thought this was uh, well done. You would see uh, Flair use a half crab similar to the walls after Jericho misses the lion salt. Jericho turns that into a figure four and Flair selling his ass off for it. And the big spot was Flair grabbing the ropes a split second before tapping. That creates some controversy. Jericho's going to argue with the referee, Charles Robinson. Flair then uses a low blow and a figure four and Jericho submitted quote. Nobody saw that submission coming two and three quarter stars. Now, again, let's remember, uh, the prior December Jericho beat rock and Austin in the same night. And now he's putting over a 53 year old Ric Flair here. Pretty strong. Uh, and, and really just look at the star power so far, Kurt angle and Ray Mysterio, then Rick flair and Chris Jericho, and now edge and Eddie Guerrero. Uh, I mean, just a barn burner one after another, an incredible match. Meltzer dug it, gave it three and a quarter stars. The, the talent roster you got here, dude is maybe as deep and as good as it ever was for the whole company history, right? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. We looking back at it. It's. It was an all-star team and we were deep and we were, and we were getting younger uh, on top. You know, you mentioned Eddie and, and, uh, edge. Well, they both became man event guys. They both became champions. Yeah. Jericho was a champion and he still, there's nobody that I've ever seen in my life at his stage of the game that continues to reinvent himself and to stay connected than Chris Jericho is right now today in today's marketplace. Uh, I think one of the reasons for that is that he's has the ability in AEW to create his own content and Tony Khan, even though Tony's the boss, you know, Jericho pretty well, I don't say dictates, but he pretty well uh, makes, he, he, he looks after his own stuff. Yes. And I just look back in my early days, the territory days working for Cowboy. Cowboy would bring people in that he knew that could come up with an idea. You know, I, I remember bringing he bringing in Don Jardine, the spoiler, and all these heels that Cowboy brought in to work with him because he was a 300 pound baby face in a small territory. Uh, that's challenging. So uh, I, I I think we were in really I thought we were in really good shape. You know, losing. Austin's injury issues were one thing we had to get better and we had to get some guys over and then rock getting ready to go do some movies. And then all of a sudden he's, a, he's the biggest movie star in the world today. So it was, uh, we knew we were losing some guys, but we thought we were ready for it. We thought because the guys, like you mentioned, Kurt, all those dudes, uh, gray shoot. And I thought we were, we were in pretty good shape. If just keep everybody healthy and sane, uh, we're going to be okay. It is a little weird to see the, uh, the career of Eddie Guerrero here in 2002, you know, he has that interaction with Austin. He's working with the rock and now he's taking on edge here. It felt as if, 
Hey man, it's time for Eddie to get the win. He does not edge does. Uh, but there's still other spots where folks are going over and maybe you wouldn't have predicted it. Lance storm and Christian are going to retain their tag titles over Booker T and Goldust in nine minutes and 37 seconds. Um, it's a three-star match test is going to interfere. Uh, he's going to lay out Booker with a high kick that sets up the pin pretty old school tag team match for really solid in-ring performers. And man, you look back at that pairing of Booker T and Goldust, and I know that Booker T is going to go on to be a much bigger star and do great things, but this really showed Booker's range as a performer. He didn't just have to be the badass one half of Harlem heat. He didn't right. have to be the badass guy who could hang with, with Mysterio or, or, or Benoit. He wasn't just the badass guy who could go out there and work with Austin or Scott Steiner. He could also be funny. And that range, I think made him a WWE lifer. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And so did, uh, the, uh, Goldust had a great sense of humor. Oh, for sure. They, 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 uh, they just connected, uh, as characters and partners. And, you know, we mentioned Jericho's continuous reinvent. Look at, look at what Dustin's doing. Unbelievable. What Dustin's doing. Yeah. And he's, he's, and, and he's, he, he doesn't work a lot. He has a school down there in Texas. And, uh, he's doing a good job there. They're, 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 uh, staying busy and training a lot of, a lot of kids. Uh, so both those guys had a lot of skills there. And, uh, it's just amazing to me that Jericho's of the world and the gold and the Dustin Rhodes of the world are still making themselves viable. And both of them are in great shape. Chris Jericho's never been in a better condition than he is right now. Yeah. He looks he's great. Old, he looks great. He's lean. He's got a meal plan. He's. He's smart. He's smart about how he approaches it. And then Dustin looks great. I mean, he's, he's clean and sober and, and he's happy and, uh, and he's an, and, and Conrad, he's a hell of a hand. Incredible performer. And for his age, doing what he's doing is uh, exciting to watch for me. I, I, I know what he went through and I know that his drug and alcohol issues are not were, were terrible, but he's over that. He got past that. He's moved ahead and I'm proud of him. I really am proud of him. I'm proud of both those guys we've talked about here, but I I'm, uh, I'm proud of what he's, he's maintained. He stayed steered the course. And, uh, to me, that's a win. So he get, he's getting wins on my side. No doubt about it. Benoit is uh, not getting a win here. He gets 16 and a half minutes to wrestle Rob Van Dam. It's a three and a half star affair. Meltzer would call it the best technical match on the show, a very Japanese style late in the match. And Van Dam wins with a uh, frog splash clean in the middle. Pretty big deal to uh, show Rob Van Dam on a big show like that, getting a big IC title win. It is interesting too, to see, you know, when people look back at this show, all they talk about is Sean and Brock, but on some level, this is, uh, a nice follow-up performance. It feels like Van Damme's first breakout performance with the company was invasion in July of 01, but August of 02 beating Benoit here in 16 and a half minutes for the IC title. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, that tells you he's on the right track. I think so. Yeah, I think so. We Rob is a, is a strange guy. Rob has so much ability and, and uniqueness. He was really, nobody had his style. Uh, and I think that we earlier talked about ECW, uh, you know, we could have Rob Van Dam. We could have done more of Rob Van Dam as well. For sure. Just, you know, all of a sudden 
you don't have any talent as you, in your mind and all and these guys, these new guys come in and they start getting, getting on TV and people realize, Hey, this guy's pretty good. This guy's pretty good. And that ECW brand was, it must've done all right. So I just think we should cut short that ECW thing a little bit, uh, as I mentioned earlier. So, uh, RVD is just a, he was an exceptional talent. We were lucky to have him and, uh, and he, he did well. Rob was just, you know, socially fitting into the locker room may have been in some people's mind, not his forte, but Rob was the introverted, introverted guy. He just was quiet and he, he hung around with his buddies and, and so what, who didn't. So I, I, uh, I'm glad that Rob got his win, uh, and, and that we recognized, we acknowledged him by saying, go get it kid. So, and Benoit had no issues of doing the honors. He went out there and had a hell of a match and he, and he, and he made RVD a player. Next up, we've got the undertaker and test. Uh, of course, uh, test has had a, a lot of shine coming into this, but of course they need a strong opponent for Lesnar. So taker has to go over convincingly according to Meltzer quote. So he did. <laughs> Tess did get to kick out of the choke slam. Storm and Christian both interfered, but Undertaker laid him to waste with choke slams. Test hit the high kick, but Undertaker kicked out. Undertaker kicks a chair that Storm gave to Test into Test's face, and then brought out the old school tombstone out of retirement for the pin. Two and a quarter stars. Uh, obviously, they're trying to show that, hey, man, just a choke slam won't do it for Test. He's got to go old school, pull out a finish you hadn't seen in a long time in the tombstone. So even though they're beating test, they're definitely positioning him to be in a good spot. Yeah. Uh, but coming up next, was, go ahead. That, well, that was the plan. Yeah. Uh, to give him, uh, you know, get him, get him started. Uh, but again, when the situation arose about having drug and alcohol issues and stuff like that. Tough. You can only go. You can only go. You got to stop it. You can't stop the bill because you can't depend on this guy. Yeah. And you know, you've heard me say on this show a lot that the biggest trade I look for to uh, in a talent to sign a talent was uh, dependability, reliability. Dependable. Yeah. And how yeah. do you? You can't rely on a guy that's got that's uh, motivated to get high. That's fucked up. Yeah, I agree. Can't, can't do it. Next up, a match that we're still talking about. Four and a quarter stars. Shawn Michaels is coming out of retirement for what's described as a non-sanctioned lights out match. They get a ton of time. 27 minutes and 20 seconds. It's been more than four years. Uh, as with a lot of these type scenarios, Shawn didn't come back in his tights. He came back in jeans. They do a street fight. And I think it stole the show. I mean, certainly... The main event with the rock doesn't get much more big time. The anointing of Brock Lesnar, my goodness, but Shawn Michaels is depending on who you ask one, a or one B That's and, it. and for him to come back after folks thought that was the end and take on triple H who had certainly been a top guy. I mean, this was one of triple H's quote unquote years, just based on the big pop he got for the return right before the rumble and then winning the rumble and winning WrestleMania. And now he's getting to do the honors here for his old pal, Shawn Michaels, really, really a phenomenal match, especially when you consider it's the first match back. Meltzer would say yeah. Michael's punches in the comeback weren't quite the same as the past. And he was smaller, but he didn't seem to get tired. 
and looked to be in very good shape, particularly for a guy with a bad back. Right. And when they, when I say they pulled out all the stops, I mean it like the ladders are involved. Uh, there's, there's chairs involved. There's a fire extinguisher shot. Um, there's sledgehammer shots. Eventually Shawn Michaels wins the match. uh, Triple H of course gets his heat back, lays him out with two sledgehammer shots to the back. Shawn Michaels leaves on a stretcher, but they told the story. We got emotionally involved and we know now it's not over four and a quarter stars an all time. Great SummerSlam match. I think, don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that match. And I was lucky to be able to call it. Uh, I was, I was, I was in my wheelhouse on that deal. Cause this was so emotionally, it, 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 the emotion of the match just em, em, embraced, embraced me. I got, I felt, I got into the, to the deal. I got I bought all in and, uh, I think it showed in our work that night that we were Lawler and I were on our game, but those guys gave you the, the great, the great music. And we were just fortunate enough to be sitting in the lyrics chair and providing those words. And it uh, worked out really, really well. So yeah, it was, it's hard to believe that Sean could be that good after being off that long. Cause I'm not aware. I'm not aware that Sean and, and Hunter had a, uh, had to a secret warehouse and work their match out and all that stuff. I don't know that it, that happened. I've never heard of that happening with them on this situation. Might've, but I don't think so. So they did, they went basically cold Turkey. They back on their, what they call the muscle memory. And yeah. just, it just was to me, it was astonishing. I thought they might, I thought we would get 15 minutes out of it might be good, but they went almost twice that long. So it was, uh, it was pretty spectacular and, and Sean was in great shape. He wasn't carrying as much, uh, weight, uh, but he, he was motivated and he was hell bent on showing everybody in the locker room, especially and anywhere in the world that I'm still Sean Michaels. Yes, he is. And, uh, boy, that was, think about this. You're, you're, we're look at all the guys we're gaining back and, and putting in positions to do big things like Lesnar. Uh, for example, and he's just one of many I could name, but, uh, I, I just thought it was, it was an outstanding performance. And I thought that it was one of those deals where you look over your shoulder at the gorilla position, say, follow that boys. Yes. Cause that's what they had to do. And luckily you got two blue chip studs that are challenged to follow what they just saw. And, uh, I love that. And here they come, man. 16 minutes and one second later, Brock Lesnar wins the WWE title. And Meltzer would say the crowd almost took attention away from the match because of the pro Lesnar reactions being so strong. This was similar to the rock Hogan match at mania in that the announcers who played to the baby face didn't know how to handle it. Cole really didn't acknowledge it at all early. Oh, those those announcers didn't know how to handle it. I, I'm starting to say, I thought Lawler and I did a pretty good job at uh, Toronto with Brock with the rock and, uh, and, uh, uh, Hogan. So I, I could take offense to that, but I'm not, I, I misunderstood you. He's talking about Cole and Taz. Yes. He's saying Cole didn't really acknowledge it at all early until Taz made a reference to fans having the right to cheer whoever they wanted, but they continually portrayed it as a mixed crowd as opposed to what started out, but grew progressively pro Lesnar. Yeah. Heavy booing when rock got Lesnar and a sharpshooter cheering when Lesnar got out. 
by the way, I just want to mention, this is a great match. Three and a quarter stars. Lesnar's going to uh, hit the F five in the middle. Rock stays down for three. And Meltzer would say, hope Lesnar recognizes enough to give the guy a nice Christmas present for that one, <laughs> but they're booing the rock every chance they get. And it's wild because he's the most popular star, but yeah. boy, wrestling fans, when they get their feelings hurt, it, it turns in a hurry. And that happened. Yeah. Here. Yeah. They feel yeah. like, Hey, they, you're leaving us. We don't want you to leave. So we're going to boo the shit out of everything you do. Yeah. And that's, it happens. It's happened more than once. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I'm. Remember, remember WrestleMania 20 with, uh, uh, Goldberg, Brock, yeah. Oldberg and Austin. Yeah. Thank, thank God that Austin was in that equation or it could have been even worse. So it's not the first time that that happened, but the fans are, are very sensitive in, a, in the standpoint that we've supported you. We bought your shirts. We've bought your pay-per-views. We've done everything that we can do. And you're now you're, you're bolting on us. So you're getting, it's like getting deserted. Or, you know, it's just, it was, uh, it's a tough scenario, but yeah, you just got to go with what you're hearing and what you're seeing and you can't make something to be there that isn't there. And, uh, so on that night, rock, the baby face wasn't there, right? The fans made him their, 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 their villain because you're leaving us and you hurt my feelings <laughs> basically. And so, but they, they, they did a real good job of following that classic that preceded them. I thought, and I thought that was going to be a challenging situation. And don't think that rock wasn't aware. He may have been more aware of it than even Lesnar just because of experience that, Hey, we got our work cut out for us. We got to somehow get this crowd back in, back into it. So, uh, and, you know, I don't think that on this line, that wasn't, didn't we go from that? We didn't have a, uh, let me up match. Did we prior to that main event? No, they touched, they were back to back. Yeah. So that's a little bit different as well. So, uh, so the fellas had their work cut out for them, as I said, and, but they came through, they came through, which is, a uh, certainly a, a credit to them. It was a phenomenal show. I mean, really sincerely, uh, I think it's, uh, really awesome to see them make a guy like this. I can't think of another time where the torch was passed in such a fashion like this, except I mean, you'd have to go back to WrestleMania 14 where Sean did it for Austin. Well, here's rock doing it for Lesnar. And now the next big thing is the actual big thing. Um, really a fun show. As we said, 99.7% thumbs up from the wrestling that's amazing. observer. That's, that's, I, that's, a, that's amazing. Connor. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's amazing. 99. That doesn't happen. No, this doesn't happen. So what you mentioned earlier, if you folks are going to watch a match this week or show an old one, you know, if you're going to watch a show by God, watch dynamite, listen to Jr. do his thing, (laughs) the rumor. Well, I guess by now it's already happened, but next week it's happening too. In the go home edition, uh, on the way to all out, of course, but peek behind the scenes, Jr. is actually traveling the day before you listen to this because he's on freaking TV, baby. Uh, but, uh, he's on there every Wednesday night, but Hey, if you and Friday if, night on rampage, I'm the new, I'm a new rampage guy who could forget, man. Look at you burning it at both ends. <laughs> it's the, Hey, I love it. I love it. It's doing, doing two TV shows. Hey, look, the rampage, I think is, uh, is, uh, 40 something minutes. So it's, you're in, you're out. And I, and it's, it's, it's a fast hour. It's a packed hour. Sometimes it's too packed, but, uh, Rampage has been a kind of a fun little project, but the main thing is our 
featured show or our wheelhouse show is that's dynamite. So uh, thanks for mentioning it. Eight o'clock Eastern live, live as it can be. And I, I know we've got some time issues coming up with baseball and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, we'll work, we'll work through it as always. Wrestling fans follow their product. That's the said, we, you mentioned the, the, their loyalty when, when rock allegedly turned his back on them and left them, uh, fans reacted. And they they have an emotional investment in the product and the brand and the genre, and so consequently, uh, they they're good about if you got a preemption and you're going to move, play on Tuesday and not Wednesday, uh, they'll follow you as a, as a rule. If it's well promoted, your audience will go with you, and so it's a uh, it's, it's fun right now. Right now is a it's a real serious time too for uh, for uh, us and AEW because the matches we're having. We're getting stood slowly getting some talent back. You know, Omega's back. That helps us a hell of a lot. Uh, he's not, I don't know if he's a hundred percent probably isn't. Uh, but he, he's uh, back after several months off having surgery. He's going to have great matches regardless of whether or not he's a hundred percent. He's one of the best wrestlers of all time. So of all time of all time. Let's uh, and, uh, let's do some questions about SummerSlam. Uh, okay. Matt wants to know any idea what Hulk Hogan or Steve Austin would have done if they were penciled in for SummerSlam that year. Of course, we recall very start of the summer. Steve Austin walks out Hulk Hogan on the way to this show finishes up with, with Lesnar. But if they were both there, can you even imagine what they would have done? No, you I really either. can't, you know, you'd have got a win for Austin. He'd, he'd have gone over. Right. Uh, I don't, but I don't know what, who, I mean, there's a lot of talent on the roster. He could work with, uh, I think Hogan, Hogan is so smart, straight, smart and booking smart. He knew that his run was over. He knew that, Hey, I'll they'll use me. I'll get some wins here, there, and yawn, but I'm probably not going to be headlining the shows anymore. Uh, and, and he just, that was not his, look, he had the money. It wasn't about the money. He had cash, lots of cash. So I think that, uh, he just saw the, ha- the handwriting on the wall and said, you know, this is my time has come. I got to pick my spots and, uh, and if they need me, they can, it's always good to have Hulk Hogan in the bullpen, no doubt, you know, and, and Steve Austin, Lord's sake. So, uh, I think we thought we were okay there, Conrad, quite honestly. So I don't know who Austin or, or, or Hogan would have worked with Hogan may have done a job for, for upcoming talent. I don't know. I sense that Austin would have gone over somebody, uh, and would have tried to steal the show, but I don't know who they would have been booked with. It's hard to say because the roster has been so damn deep. There's another thing that changed along the way too. And Adam Arpin brings it up earlier in O2. We saw Shawn Michaels alongside Kevin Nash, trying to recruit triple H into the NWO was the SummerSlam match between Shawn and triple H always the desired outcome with these two, or was it a result of Nash getting hurt and the NWO being disbanded? And the deck having to be reshuffled. That's a great question because you assume if plans were what we thought they were just a month prior, Nash would have been around. The NWO would have still been kicking. Shawn Michaels would have been involved, but now with Nash out and the NWO gone, the result is one of the best matches we ever got at SummerSlam. So I'm not upset about it, but it is fascinating to think what if, right? Yeah, of course. I think, uh, I think. There were no second thoughts about Sean going over. Right. You know, he's gone almost four years, three years to change. I think that, uh, it was a no brainer 
Now, Hunter getting his heat back. Nothing unusual about that. No. For a heel, you know, you you keep the you keep the issue and the angle open, uh, and uh, you tell you continue to tell stories of of, the, of this rivalry. These two great friends that became, uh, uh, you know, r- rivals on Sean's return. And then, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Sean did a great job for, uh, NWWE after that, uh, he still had some, he, some great matches in him and, and we saw them and he, he was never, he never let anybody down as far as his in-ring performance. That's something he took so much pride in. And, uh, you can tell in his training that he still takes that, that pride through the kids in NXT for sure. You know, so, uh, he's a very valuable asset down there and I'm glad he. I'm glad he's healthy. It's clean and sober. And those kids listen, you can help them a hell of a lot. Just, you know, he's, uh, they're so lucky, you know, they're so lucky. You know, we can give so many illustrations, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you and I both love football, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like you got this, this, uh, expert, you gotta, you know, how about how, who better to teach you how to play quarterback than Tom Brady. Yes. So there you go. Great analogy. And and just listen to him. Yeah. And, 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 and understand what he's trying to point. He's trying to get over the points he's trying to get over. So, uh, but, but he, he came back after he came back from that long absence. I don't know that he was not a better in ring hand. He was slowing down a little bit. He was doing his thing. He was selling. He had the back that they could buy. Everybody could play off the back deal. Uh, and Hunter was smart to go there, the sledgehammer, uh, and it kept the, like I said, it kept the story open and being told and it tied right back into Sean's injury. So, uh, no, I, I think it was, a, I think it was pretty damn good shit. Boy, I, I, we had a, I like the finish. I like Hunter getting his heat back because I wanted to see more. And if, if Sean had won and left. And Hunter was selling. Where do you the go? Angle. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of. They put the period to the to the sentence. It's over. We didn't want it to be over, and they didn't want it to be over. And when we saw how Sean performed after all that assets, Connie, I think it changed a lot of creative plans. Because you know, we all we needed to know, as I said earlier, how's he going to feel after the match? Yeah. And is he going? Is he going to be able to? get up in the morning and tie his shoes, put on his boots or what have you. Uh, but that's kind of where we were. Just let's wait and see how he's going to, how he is. And luckily for WWE and all of us, uh, he was able to continue to go. Uh, let's do one more. Bryant wants to know Brock wins the title four months after his debut. Did you think his title win was too much too soon? Or did you think it was time to go with him? Well, that was discussed, uh, significantly I put the Quabash on bringing him to TV several months before that, because I didn't think he was ready in, in the ring. I thought he, he had to do a better job of protecting his adversaries. And, uh, he was just so big and strong. He had to figure out how to channel that. Uh, so, uh, I remember, uh, I think it might've been Russo at that time. I'm not real sure. Wanted to bring you to TV and I just went in sit down with Vince that he's not ready for TV. Yeah. I'm not so sure that he can protect his opponent to the level that he needs to, especially in this environment. And, uh, 
I said, so if I get on a witness stand and some, and there's some lawyers questioning me about his training, was he ready? He hurt my client. I got to tell the truth. I'm not going to perjure myself in a court, right? I'm going to tell the truth as best I know it. And, and the truth as I best, I knew it at that time was that he needed a little bit more work. He could, he could do all the offensive stuff. Sometimes he got so excited. He, you know, he had the ability because of his strength and his, all the attributes that we've discussed about him and people know about him. He needed to maybe slow down a half a step and, and be sure to keep his opponents in mind, uh, when they're working. And so then, uh, on this question, I, I think that, you know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, I, I, I think we had to do that. I think we had to move rock was with the timing was we had rock, we had rock and we, and we knew that if somebody was going to be the champion and win it from, and, and Lesnar was going to be anointed to get anointed by the rock was gold. And so rock being there was just kind of led into that situation in all honesty was Brock a little bit green for that role. Probably. Yeah, probably. But you saw what you had there. You know, Tom Brady was a six round draft pick and he's done all right. Uh, but you know, he had to start someplace. He had to, he had to get in the game. So we, I think the consensus was we can wait longer, but is that the thing to do? And I think that again, and I was, I was in this corner, let's go with it. Let's go and see what we got because he's over. People believe in him. Yeah. So why not give it a shot? So I, my answer would be, I would have done the same thing if it, to do over again, put the title on, uh, on Brock and let's get this kid rolling on a run. And next week, Jr. and I'll be back talking clash of the champions. 20. This is an, uh, oddly enough, the final appearance of Andre, the giant. We also see Ricky, the dragon steamboat challenge, Steve Austin for the TV title. Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson take on Greg Valentine and Dick Slater. Can't believe that ever even happened. Brian wow. Pillman's going to turn heel. Cactus Jack will challenge Ron Simmons for the WCW title. The Barbarian and Butch Reed will take on Dustin and Barry Windham. And we've got an elimination tag match with Jake Roberts teaming up with Vader, Rick Rude, and the Super Invader against Sting, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiners. Something for everybody. Little yeah. old school WCW next week, Jim. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I always like watching those, uh, those shows back, uh, in preparation and so forth. And some of the watch alongs we do, it just brings back great memories. You know, you, you, could, you could, oh, I remember buying that tie. I remember going to the mall, <laughs> buying that shirt and tie combination. So it's just fun. Little mini BS, but boy, I sure enjoy doing it. And I think the fans enjoy it too. Cause we try to bring you things. Or not analyzing a hammerlock and giving, you know, three and three quarter stars and all that stuff. I'm not smart enough to do that. So, uh, it's, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun show. And that was another loaded card, by the way. Oh yeah. So that card had some sizzle and some pop and some balls. So, uh, let's do it next week right here. Same place, same time. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. September 2nd, 1992 is where that one went down Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I just can't believe this is the last time we saw Andre the giant, but it's going to be the last time you see us, by the way, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. 
and uh, stay tuned next week. We've got a very special announcement regarding our, our old great close personal friend, Steve Mongo McMichael. He needs our help. And, uh, we've got a little plan to help of how you can help. And we'll talk about it right here on grilling Jr. with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Fun show today, everybody. Appreciate your uh, support. As always, you guys are, you're the heartbeat of what we do. And without you, we're, we're done. So we really appreciate everybody's support. Our, our downloads have been phenomenal. Our numbers are excellent. If you're an advertiser and you want to get it out there, Conrad and I can take care of you. We can, we can, we can cure your ills, quite frankly. So, uh, if you just give us a shot and that's what we appreciate. So thanks very much. Good job, Conrad today. Good to see you again. Good to see you, man. Glad to be back. I missed you. Can't wait to talk about clash 20 next week, right here on grilling Jr. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.